Flushing girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a podcast about the nanny. That's a hit sitcom from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. I am Sean Pasquale here with... Toria Sheffield. That's right. And this week we are watching season five, episode 16, The Dinner Party. Toria, what happens in this episode? This is the episode where it's post-Fran and Mr. Sheffield's engagement, and they get invited to a fancy dinner party, debuting like themselves as a couple, and Fran starts to feel incredibly insecure about being a part of this new high society world. Uh, and with good reason, I think, because, uh, and we'll get into it, but like, uh, they're kind of shitty to her. Um, this one was written by Ivan Menchel. What a mensch. And directed by Dorothy Lyman. So yeah, mm-hmm. overall, I like this one and I'm excited to talk about it. There was some yeah. fun stuff in here. I liked yeah. it a lot. It felt very real and yeah. it moved it moved the plot forward, but also felt like something that would actually happen to this couple. I liked Maxwell having to build Fran up for a change because it feels like so many times it's like Fran kind of coming to his rescue. And so it was it was sort of nice to see him be like, hey, you know what? Like, you're, you're great. I'm mm-hmm. like, I don't care what these mm-hmm. dumb people mm-hmm. think, you know? And that was, that was really nice. I mean, spoilers for the end of the episode, but whatever. You've all seen it. And so the episode begins with Fran coming downstairs into the kitchen in a bathrobe. It's morning. And she's still like over the moon about the engagement because where we left them off last week, Mr. Sheffield had just gotten mugged, but then proposed to Fran with that little like, you know, cap ring like a soda cap ring and she's actually still wearing the ring and you know um he's niall says something like ah you know you're gonna replace the ring and she's like oh i don't know we're kind of like we're kind of like happy with this for right now um and he even says would you like your breakfast mrs sheffield and it's this really cute moment because you like she's like oh my god you know mrs sheffield there's a knock on the door and it's sylvia of course which means she must be arriving at their mansion at like 740 on a (laughs) Yeah, like nine, like day. eight a.m. She shows up, <laughs> and she also asks about the ring. And she's like, she's like, it's not a real engagement until I can take my daughter's hand, stick it. <laughs> I can take my daughter's hand and say, stick these carrots in your soup, Mrs. Glickman. So <laughs> she's clearly like, I the my main priority in this situation is getting to brag about my daughter's engagement ring to a rich and, guy. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. that, right? It's 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 the ring, but it's more Sylvia wants to be able to brag like my daughter is marrying like a very very rich man and that means she's successful. Mm-hmm. Cuz that's how Sylvia sees the world basically, yeah. you know. Yes. Like, and it, it, in her mind, I'm sure it also moves, you know, I mean and it does, right? It moves Fran beyond the station of of nanny, <laughs> although that is something that I wanted to talk talk to you about because we're in a weird dichotomy right now where it's like she's still technically the help, I think. Right? Yeah. It's, oh. it's, it's unclear. <laughs> Next week's episode, we actually get into it because I watched ahead. So, oh. so there will okay, be an cool. answer. Um, but so, um, and then Mr. Sheffield comes in and he reassures Sylvia that he has reserved the whole morning to take Fran ring shopping so she can rest yeah. assured that's going to happen. And 
my, I had this little note where I was like, I'm not going to lie. I started to get a little jealous of Fran for the first time in my life after watching the show for five seasons. And I, I wrote, it's not for the ring, but it's just for suddenly like how easy life's going to become for her. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like I was just, you know, cause we're start we're, we as the viewer are going to start seeing her transition from the help to very wealthy person. And I was just like, oh man, how sweet would that although, be? <laughs> although, you know, I would argue since she's gotten this job, life's been pretty fucking easy for her. <laughs> you okay. know, it's like. No, I, I would mean, say this. It's not that life. She causes all her own problems. <laughs> oh no, it's you're right. It's not that like day to day life is hard, but there is something where it's like, oh yeah, but he could fire me. They could move. The kids are going to grow up soon. And like, so in her mind, this is sweet, but it's temporary until. True. And now no matter what happens, she'll get half. Yes. Yes. No, but yeah, I think there's a difference. There is a huge psychological difference between working for a wealthy family and getting the perks and actually being wealthy. Cause like I've known nannies in LA who like, you know, were taking the kids to like air one and they also got to like eat those like you know 40 dollar potato chips but it was still completely mm. different than being part of that family you know mm, i bet you 40 dollar potato chips taste better than regular potato chips oh i bet you though they probably have like like nutritional yeast on them and stuff for for those listeners oh. who don't live in la era one is like the most expensive it is like whole foods on crack it is so expensive yeah. the stuff is so healthy and organic and people like go there to be seen basically like you, yeah it's whole it's it's whole foods for people who look down on people that shop at whole foods yes yes <laughs> it's next level it's aspirational af but anyway it's, this is a, this is another very california reference but it's basically the gelsons of whole foods <laughs> yeah which no one will get. All right. I know. Okay. But so, so, yeah. so, okay. so she, she has a great, uh, should we, I, I never know if I should like talk about great lines or just save them all, but then it feels like I don't say anything. Yeah, There's yeah. a great line when Sylvia walks in where she goes, she's turning into a shiksa right before my eyes. She's like so upset. Yes. Because Fran says she doesn't really care if when they replace the ring and she kind of likes yeah. the one she has. And she's like, and all I care about is that we're together. And she goes, oh, she's turning into a shiksa. <laughs> and then Sylvia and Fran mentioned to Mr. Sheffield that they, sh- if they're going to go ring shopping that day, they've got to stop by Uncle Stanley's jewelry store. They're, you know, they're like, oh, he has a great little shop. And Mr. Sheffield's like, you know, I'd rather, I'd really rather go to visit my jewelry, my jeweler at Cartier. And they both go retail. Like, like the idea <laughs> of like not going to like a small business where you can like get some big deal from whoever is like just disgusting to them. Yeah. And they're like, well, you know, Uncle Stanley will be very offended if we don't at least stop by. So so he agrees to go, like, just out of politeness. And then <laughs> there is this scene where then Mr. Sheffield goes, oh, before we go, I need to call Cece. I've been so busy. I haven't even told her about the engagement. And Niles goes, oh, it's all right, sir. I've taken care of it. We then cut to Cece in her apartment. There's a knock on the door. She answers it. There's two singing telegram guys <laughs> they're dancing and going Fran and Maxwell are engaged it looks like you're a loser she'll be happy all her days and you'll become a boozer and then they literally like <laughs> like tap out they're like what is it we're like t- uh, double yeah, tap they like double tap out they're like and Cece's eye starts to twitch which is definitely setting her up for a nervous breakdown yes 
Yeah, it was really good. And there was a lot of great CC Niles playing. Like, I think it's coming up, but like he goes, like he goes, Miss Babcock's coming, and then the doorbell rings, and he goes, oh, and he runs to the door, and he goes, "Is that Miss Babcock? It is. It is like a little kid, <laughs> yes, only because he wants to torture her with more to good news her. about Fran and Maxwell." It's so good. <laughs> then. We cut to Fran and Mr. Sheffield at Uncle Sammy's shop. And Uncle Sammy is played by Fran Drescher's real-life father, Morty, yep. F- Morty Fine. I mean, Morty Drescher. No. <laughs> and, and he is so good. I'm like, how is this man, like, not a professional actor? Like, it was... He's so, the fact that this is probably like his first time acting means that like you can tell like whatever she has it's it's very natural and, and genetic. He's so gaudy. He's wearing a gaudy suit, gaudy rings, and he keeps like reminding them that they can also get their keys copied at the store. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there's a big sign in the store that says "All class, no glass." <laughs> so like oh like all the jewels are real. And then he's yeah, like, but, take- but then, when, but then when they question him about like how many carrots is this, he's like, yeah, like, I, I don't like, like to label. Yeah. <laughs> well, and then he takes Mister Chapman aside and he's like, this girl's like a daughter to me. You could have anything in the store at cost plus twenty percent to cover expenses. You understand. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Mr. Sheffield sort of humors Fran and Uncle Sammy and then is like, you know, oh, you know, I'm not sure if there's qu- anything, you know, that's quite what we're looking for. And so so they end up going to Cartier and, yes. uh, you know, there's some B-roll of the two of them walking in and Ms. Mr. Sheffield picks out a giant ring. And yeah. this is where I got then another pang of jealousy for the first time in my life for Fran, just because again, I was like, oh my God, just the idea of like suddenly never having to work again, like overnight. I was just like, oh my God, I'm so tired. And then there was there is this really funny line though where the like jeweler goes, oh, and we we carry an exquisite collection of De Beers, which is like a very expensive diamond brand. Oh yeah. Goes, oh, a beer sounds great. I'm parched. <laughs> so so we're also setting up in this episode like a very like high class, low class dichotomy, which I think would be really you know, very realistic, like this, the reality of their union kind of like coming into focus, like what that's really going to mean, you know, day to day when she's not the help. And so I, I was like, I'm, I'm so glad they explored this in an episode. I'm- well, it's also the, you know, from basically this scene on, you start to get a real sense of like real pretty woman vibes. And then the show very smartly calls that out later because it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, that's kind of what this is. You know, she's, she's going to walk into these stores. They're going to, you know, size her up based on just looks and treat her like garbage. And then they're going to find out she's, you know, engaged to a very, very rich man. And then they're going to suddenly be super, super nice to her. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what happens. And it's great. It's satisfying in Pretty Woman and it's satisfying here. Mm-hmm. Nothing mm-hmm. better. Big, remember Pretty Woman, big mistake. Huge. Huge. Uh, we then go back to Fran and she's at the mansion showing Niles and the kids her ring. And this is where, this is when the doorbell rings and that part you were talking yeah. about where he's like, oh, maybe it's this Babcock. It is with Babcock. It is. <laughs> and, you know, she comes into the house and he shows her Fran's ring and her eye starts to twitch again. <laughs> And then, but she, but she does a really good job of no selling it. Like he's like, look at the ring, and like you see the twitch, but then she's just like, oh yeah, hmm, yes. okay, it, it's beautiful. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then Mr. Sheffield comes in and he's like, oh, look, like our engagement's been featured in Liz Smith's column. Uh, Liz Smith being a very famous gossip columnist and sort of society columnist as well. And I felt so bad for Fran in this moment um, because she's really excited Col- at first. Columnist, columnist being someone who wrote for a newspaper. Newspaper being a thing that people used to read. <laughs> yes. I feel like I, like we have to really define like it was yes. kind of like TMZ I guess or <laughs> yes. It was a paper that got physically delivered to your home and that is how you got information. <laughs> oh my god it sounds like insane now Um, it does sound it does sound insane like so you didn't know anything that was going on until they brought a paper to your house and then you had to read that whole paper to know anything going on in the world and everyone's parents would sit with the morning paper and 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 the thing is the weekday papers were mostly just news the weekend papers were extra special and thick Mm. because they didn't just have the news they had a sports Mm -hmm. section they had an entertainment section they had the the comics in color Mm-hmm. In color, yeah. So it was like it was like you got all this extra stuff to know. <laughs> what a treat! <laughs> oh and I don't know about you, but my mother had a habit of we would get this whole ass newspaper, a million different things you could read and learn and educate yourself on. My mom would go right to the local section, immediately <laughs> find the most horrific story about murder or kidnapping, and then read it to us in like a state of despair. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh my God! People are dying. Like, <laughs> don't go outside. Don't buy the house. Yeah, bypassing the financial news, the international <laughs> yeah. news, yep. the politics. I didn't. I didn't learn anything about the world as a child except that like people got murdered and stolen all the time. <laughs> 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 well, so so Fran, she op- she opens the newspaper excitedly, and she's like, "Oh, look!" She's like, "It says Maxwell Sheffield, Tony Award winning Broadway producer," and she kind of looks at him proudly, and she goes, "Is marrying the help?" And and then they not even said that about her. They didn't like say where she was from, what her parents' names were, or what she does. They then Fran Phone. <laughs> yeah, they misspelled her name as Fran Phone, and I did feel bad for her because she was so excited. She she was like not begrudging Mister Sheffield like his wonderful you know adjectives. He was she was proud, mm-hmm. and then there's nothing about her. And I guess to be fair, like what would you say about her? like you know she's not a known person in the world like he is, but. It was, she was definitely There's, like, oh. There is maybe a more delicate way. Like, mm-hmm. I hear you. Like, I agree. Yes. It's very, like, what would you label this random human being as other than a person, right? Mm-hmm. But but I feel like there's a more delicate way to than just saying like he's marrying the help. It's like yes. so dismissive. You, you know? could say like, like marrying Fran Fine of like Queens, New York. Uh, that's you know, it. Da- that's all you have to say. So and so and so and so. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And well, but then this was so cute. Niles very much playing that guy from Pretty Woman. Remember, like the hotel concierge who like kind of takes. Mm-hmm. Julie Robinson under his wing. He tries, oh no, actually this comes later. But in this moment, Niles tries to cheer her up by, he's like waving an invitation and he's like, oh no, but look, you know, Miss Fine, you and Mr. Sheffield have officially been invited to this incredibly exclusive dinner party. And it's an, it's addressed to both of you. 
And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, Niles, I'm nervous about this. And he's like, oh, you don't need to be nervous. We then cut to an extremely exclusive and snotty boutique on like Fifth Avenue or something. And Fran, Mm -hmm. Sylvia, and Val, they walk in and it's like this very sterile environment. They don't even have any actual clothes on the shelves or anything because I guess that would be too gauche. And this snooty saleswoman literally like – looks them up and down and she assumes that they must be there to use the bathroom (laughs) and you know sort of what you were saying then when she actually finds out that they're to oh no when she finds out they're there to shop she goes oh you'll probably have better luck down the street at flash and trash (laughs) and (laughs) sylvia has the best line i love how sylvia owned this woman she goes darling it's obvious you're cranky because you haven't had lunch and then she goes ever (laughs) so so not only being like you're being a jerk but like you're way too skinny and then she goes but my daughter is the future mrs maxwell sheffield and then frank goes because the future master of suffering broadway producer (laughs) yes and the woman's eyes like light up because she realizes like oh i made a mistake and then frank goes yes and this is my ma and this is my friend valerie toriello of the flushing meadows toriellos and Val like almost serenely goes north of the tire recycling center. (laughs) Amazing delivery. Good. And it was so good. I was so proud. And, you know, Sylvia gets let off by the sales girl, uh, you know, to like go look at something. And Fran confines in Val that she, you know, she confides that she's super nervous about this, this Mm -hmm. dinner party. Um, and she, she really wants to make a good impression. Uh, and I did, I guess, again, felt so bad for her because I was like, oh yeah, this kind of is like the, the reality of all this crashing down on you. You know, it was something you dreamed about for so long, but yeah, the reality is you're probably going to have a very long life of, you know, people looking down on you um, and always sort of whispering about how, oh, he just married his nanny. And that that is well, very sucky. And it's funny. I mean, I, you know, we're, I mean, I guess that's the nature of a show like this to dig maybe a little too deep. But it feels like, you know, f- f- up until now, like friends never really shied away from a fancy party and is usually, you know, extremely outgoing. And, and if anything, a little... I don't know, naive, naive is the right word, but but for lack of a better word, naive about how little she fits in, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like that she exudes a confidence normally. So I thought it was really interesting that like that shifts when the pressure is put on her to like like be something new, you know? Like she's gone into these situations previously as just like, eh, whatever, I can kind of like do whatever I want. Almost invisible, I guess. And now it's like eyes are going to be on her and she like, panics under the pressure which i thought was like a cool way to play it you know yeah i mean i i guess i do have a note at the end of this where i was like oh but you know what well we'll get into it but like i kind of wanted this episode to resolve with her going in being her most loud and authentic self and not giving like a shit about what other people think and that kind mm. of being and and this ends up getting resolved in a very different way and mm-hmm. i was like i think i might have loved the messaging a little the messaging of like she's still fabulous she's still the the girl wearing red when everyone else is in tan and like screw you guys but but something else happens it's also a good resolution but we'll get into it but also i said so she know so then they they're in this like you know absurdly 
upscale boutique. And I just went, do you remember that line in Romy and Michelle's high school reunion when they're watching Pretty Woman? And in the scene when Julia Roberts gets sort of like laughed out of a very fancy store, they go, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like those sales girls in Beverly Hills aren't bigger whores than she is. (laughs) That is such a good line. That's a great line. I gotta rewatch that. I've only I think I only saw that movie one time. I have to rewatch that movie. It is one of my favorite movies of all time. It is so perfectly weird. (laughs) But so but then we then cut to a quick scene back at the mansion where Cece is sitting in the living room and she sits Gracie down and she's like, little girl, like (laughs) <laughs> you're you're very, very upset about this marriage between your father and Nanny. Fine, aren't you? Because she's trying to poke holes in this any way she can. And Gracie's sort of like, Miss, she's like, Miss Babcock, no, like, I'm very happy. I love Fran. My father loves Fran too. You really need to to move on. And, yeah. and we sort of see that Cece is like just really struggling. She sort of almost is like, I have nothing and nobody. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and runs that out. And then the next scene, Fran comes down the stairs in a gorgeous black gown and she's ready to go out to this very fancy dinner party. And this is, you know, again, she sort of says to Niles, like, Niles, I'm really nervous. And he takes her hands. And this is where he's sort of like the concierge in Pretty Woman. I kind of jumped the gun before, but he's like, you're going to do great. He's like, you have style, you have flair. That's how you became the nanny. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I was like, yay. Same, same. Well, and then we cut to the dinner party. And at first, Fran is very comfortable. Like, she's not self-conscious yeah. at all. She's no. talking. And, and she's talking to the host who is played by Diane Wilk. I don't know if you noticed that. Ooh, I did not. That's cool. And she's, you know, she's just being herself. And, and everybody else, oh, these other women are making these very snide little comments behind they're her being, They're being cruel. <laughs> like I was like, man, that is like it, they're not just like it. It would have been one thing if they just sort of ignored her, you know. But like they're saying like mean stuff to her, like insulting things or about her. Yes, and I thought that was like almost like a little too far, you know. Like I don't know that these women would have gone that far in this scenario. They, I feel like they would have just cold shouldered her and then maybe talk shit about her later. Yeah. Well, what they do is they kind of smile vacantly and then whisper to each other mean things like a little too loudly. And then, but, and Fran, meanwhile, she is kind of sticking out like a sore thumb. She's like, you know, condensing platters and she's saying, (laughs) telling weird stories about her relatives. And she's like, oh, you got so much extra salmon. I'm just going to (laughs) condense. It's like, you know, like not knowing the little like social norms of, of this situation. And then she ends up slipping back into the kitchen, like holding these platters that she's going to condense. And she ends up overhearing the maids talking about her. And it's super sad because they're not, they're not saying anything mean, but what she overhears is like one maid saying like, oh, like, do you hear all that? the horrible things they're saying about Maxwell Sheffield's fiance behind her back. Like, I feel so sorry for her. Like they're all just laughing. And and she, she hears this and her face just falls because she thought everything was going fine and that everybody liked her. And this would just be like, this would be so upsetting. Yeah. Solid, solid acting moment from Fran here too. Like she, she sells that hurt really, really well. Sometimes on sitcoms, I feel like people overplay 
stuff like this, you know? Mm-hmm. And and she just like her face just kind of like falls a little bit. Like you just like see the wind get sucked out of her. And, yeah. and like she just looks very, very, very like betrayed. Yeah, uh, and I thought that was a really she did a really good job there. Did you notice that the show also definitely like took a beat to kind of show what the help was up to during this fancy party. Like they didn't really need to spend time like kind of humanizing these two women and, you know, Mm -hmm. giving them a little funny beat and showing that like they are these three dimensional people who are, you know, who behind the scenes have a lot going on, but they did, which Mm -hmm. I thought was also a really nice nod to just like the people that have to work these parties. Well, and I think it also, what it was trying to do, you know, Fran is not of this world, right? So like, mm-hmm. e- even though, like, I don't think Fran was acting out of turn for like a normal party, right? That's actually a nice thing she was doing. Like if you had a party at your house and one of your guests was like, oh, you know what? I'm just going to like help out and grab a couple of these things and like condense. So like it's less the host has to do later. Like that's genuinely like a nice gesture, you know? Mm-hmm. What Fran is like lacking though is and it's good that she's lacking this, but like Fran is lacking the like callousness of, of high society of like, Oh, doing anything like that is so beneath me that like, I wouldn't even consider doing it because we, Mm -hmm. that's what we have the help for. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's why like that scene where we see the maid, you know, the maids in the kitchen kind of leads in by being like, yeah, but like they're actually more like Fran than any of these women are. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and Fran is just a, like a normal person and probably better off for it too, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know? For sure. For sure. And then, well, then we cut to the next day and Fran's in the kitchen at the mansion with her mom and she's so upset about what happened the night before. And she really actually starts to doubt herself. Like in a way we we've never really seen where, you know, she's always been like laser focused on becoming engaged to Mr. Sheffield. And now she's yeah. like, maybe I'm really not good enough. Maybe I'm not good enough for this world. Maybe this really won't work. And yeah. Sylvia, while while also being extremely focused on food, is then says, she's like, remember when we went to the Doral Hotel in Miami Beach and I went to the pool, I went to the pool bar in a string bikini. And she's like, and do you know why people were laughing behind my back? And Fran's like, because that was the funniest view. And Sylvia goes, <laughs> she goes, because they were jealous. I dared to be different and you're different. You're unique. And I thought that was really beautiful advice, even again, between her constantly trying to ask about food. (laughs) Uh But the thing is, this doesn't really cheer Fran up because she says something that I, that I also thought was a very realistic thing that someone could feel. She goes, you know, Ma, sometimes you don't want to be different. Sometimes you just want to fit in. And whether that is good or, or, you know, or healthy, it's how people feel sometimes. Sometimes it's realistic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even though it might not be like the right, you know, in heavy quotes, right way to feel, it's like, yeah, sometimes people do just want like they just want to blend and and like feel like they're part of something. And not everybody wants to be the person who's different and proud of being different, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I thought that was good. I also really liked the runner, the Sylvia runner here you know, that you pointed out where like, she like unloads and then Sylvia goes, what was for dinner? And then, (laughs) and then later, like she unloads again and she's like, 
blah, 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 I'm going to humiliate him. And then she goes, what are you going to serve? Like, yeah, it's all yeah. she thinks about is like, what's to eat? <laughs> yes. And oh, there also was, I don't know if you noticed this detail. There was a detail happening. I didn't. Okay. Okay. Well, Fran and Sylvia are talking. There was this thing that I loved seeing on camera and I, I realized why after. So while Fran is just, you know, explaining what happened and this and that, she's preparing a bagel for herself. And she like cuts the bagel in half. And while they're talking, she's doing this thing that I, I grew up seeing women do where she is taking the like bready part of the bagel like out. So basically yeah. you end up toasting a bagel that has a lot less bread in it. Mm -hmm. Yes, you can do this because maybe you just like the bagel that way. But I grew up because women were like, I want the bagel, but I don't want as many carbs. So it was like this like halfway thing that women dieting used to do. And I think what I what I liked seeing this on seeing her do it. And it kind of also reminded me of that conversation we had last week where we were both kind of in or whatever it was about how like when Gracie and Maggie are trying to be skinny. It's like kind of like rude. But when Fran and Sylvia are like really struggling, like it feels yeah. fine. And I yeah. think it's because there, there was, this was the nineties obviously. And what I think a lot of our younger viewers don't realize is that, I mean, people were, women were genuinely underweight, like on hit TV shows, like more, even way more prevalent than it is now. And, you know, you could see women's like literal ribs and collarbones and a yeah, lot not of not just TV, but like every model at the time, like the, the look for fashion and the look for, you know, even, even not high fashion, like every model in the 90s that was the look right i mean yes. and like there's been I, there was a great uh, victoria's secret documentary about that about like all of these uh, well, uh what were they the they had like the angels all of like the victoria's secret angels of the 90s being like we were like severely malnourished and it yes. was like expected that we be but the thing the thing about the the thing that was also i think especially frustrating looking back is a lot of times women were like you could literally see their bones sticking out we're playing characters mm -hmm. where part of their character was that they loved to eat and they were always gobbling food like i'll never forget yeah. like deborah messing and will and grace the mm -hmm. joke was that she was super food motivated, always had like a turkey leg or like a pie in her hand. Meanwhile, bone sticking out. Monica from Friends was I was a just going to say Courtney Cox on Friends. She was a chef who loves food. And I, I once read a whole op-ed about this woman who like says like Gilmore Girls kind of mess with her head because these two women who are like, you know, clearly have these like petite bodies we're always, always stuffing their faces with candy and takeout. And it was just sort of like you yeah. felt as as a viewer of the time, like a young girl or woman, you felt like, oh, these women are, are eating all this stuff and they somehow have these bodies. Like I – I must be like somehow just so bad at this. I'm somehow like, I like something's just wrong with me that because yeah. it was, you know, in real life, those women who were, you know, devouring plates of food on camera were not eating behind the scenes. So it created this like no, very probably weird. weren't even devouring the food. I mean, we like, we know for a fact that like they use spit buckets on set like often. There was a big cognitive dissonance where it's like someone on someone on camera or on a show seemed to be so 
effortlessly tiny and it made you feel Mm -hmm. like such a failure, but you were struggling or even working or even had to be on a diet if you wanted to look a certain way. And what I do like about seeing Fran's day to day or Sylvia is like, say what you will about like their obsession with trying to be thin, but like they're struggling. It's not like they're pretending that like it's just easy to have a certain type of body. And I, I think I was like, I love that about this this show that that mm-hmm. like maybe yes, of course you can have a larger conversation of it. It probably would have been better, you know, for society if they just never were trying to have a different body than what they had and were never trying to lose weight and were just not focused on weight. But if they were going to have like have women that are focused on this, then at least it's like they weren't pretending that it's easy, which yeah. which I appreciated. Yeah, but don't you feel like if they remade this show now, like the running gag of Sylvia being fat would would not play, right? I don't even know that they would lean oh, into that. For because sure. it's just like it would be the opposite of anything. It would be like, yeah, Sylvia is a heavy set woman who loves food and that's okay. Like it's okay that she that she likes food. Yes, like, there's nothing I, wrong with it unless it becomes a health issue, you know? Yes. But and I think yes, nowadays we would we just I think know better. We know about messaging more and we wouldn't do it. But given that like this show like Fran doing that right next to a TV show where there's Deborah messing with bones sticking out stuff yeah. pies down her face. Yeah. I was like, I would rather see the Fran like more real version of this where scooping a bagel. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then, oh, but so th- that was very long to, uh, aside, but Mr. Sheffield comes into the kitchen and he is super happy about how the night went, the, the the previous night went, because he has no idea that all of those people were laughing behind Fran's back. In his mind, he he's like, it was a huge success. And he, he's like, Fran charmed everyone, which was also super cute because like in his eyes, he's almost like, how could she not? Like, she's the most charming person in the world. Like, of course they loved her, you know? Um, And and he is so happy that he says that he has invited everybody at that party last night to a dinner party at the mansion where she can charm them even more. And then he also slips in that there was there's going to be some big potential investors there, you know, so this is going to be an important night. So now we cut to Fran literally crying on a park bench while eating a bucket of fried chicken (laughs) (laughs) because she is like. I'm he has no idea I am a laughing stock and I don't I don't know how to be different basically I, yeah. I I'm going to humiliate this man for the rest of our lives and I am who I am like yeah and, and this kind <laughs> and she but she's so, so sunny because it's a kindly old homeless man played by comedy legend Dick Martin um I had to mm-hmm. google it but he was clearly a famous guy we're just a little too young but he was in laugh in or fam- made famous by the show Laugh-In. Suck um, it to me. <laughs> <laughs> but so he he comes and sits down next to her. That's and, a reference I barely get. <laughs> I know, right? Right? It's like, like, it's like, it's like a whisper of a reference we know. Well, it's funny because I feel like uh, Cohen and I were talking about this. My friend Matt Cohen and I were talking about this the other day where it, there are references that he and I, and probably you, have that we only have because like cartoons at the time were referencing these things because they were written by like 40, 50 year old men who actually remembered these things. Oh yeah. Absolutely. You know, like, like I only know socket. I only know Nixon saying socket to me on laughing because of the parodies of it. 
Yeah, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. It's so weird. It's it's very strange that like I have like we have all these points of references for stuff that definitely wasn't like I never saw. I mean, I saw maybe one Abbott and Costello movie, but I like I know who they are and what they. Do. I know the bit. You know, it's so strange. Hey, Abbott. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Wait, wait. But, that, but that's not yeah. even that's from a Mel Brooks movie. <laughs> no, no, but that's yes, we know that, but it's also from Abbott and oh, no. Costello. Yes. Uh not Mel Brooks, sorry. That's Princess Bride. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Princess Bride. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> ah, yes, yes, yes. But so for yes, the unhoused man is like super sweet too he's like very very kind and like not at all threatening he just is sort of like oh you know you seem sad and like yes he sits down next to her and he's like oh he's like your friend phone he's like i read about (laughs) you in the paper and then he's like read about you slept on it whatever and she offers him some offers him some chicken and she goes it was extra crispy but i've been crying (laughs) You've been crying into a bucket of chicken. Which is gross. And he's eating it. And he's like, well, you know, what's wrong? Why are you so sad? And and she's, she at first starts to be like, you know, I just have, you know, have you ever just felt like you're such a loser and you're going to disappoint somebody? And then she kind of stops herself and she's like, you know, look at me. Like here I am going on about my problems when I have so much to be grateful for. And she takes out a piece of paper and a pen and she's like, you know, here's my home address. If you're ever in the neighborhood and you're hungry, knock on the door. We always have chicken. And then she's like, unless a woman named Sylvia answers, then you're out of luck. But but it was so <laughs> sweet and it just cuts to the heart of Fran, you know, like yes. like she she's generous. She feels very blessed for what she has and, and she kind of can't even help herself in that moment, right? The show makes a really interesting argument to, intentionally or not, that there's a level of empathy that uh, lower society people are sort of naturally inclined to have that like the people in high society on this show almost never like embody, you know, like it's pretty consistent. Maybe I'm forgetting like small instances, but I feel like it's pretty consistent that any you know, rich or high society character on this show that we've met or interacted with, even down to like our main characters have this like slight lack of empathy. And, (laughs) you know, Fran, Val, Sylvia, all of these other people who just are like normal people don't have that missing component to them. They, they, they see the world in a much, I would argue, a much clearer way, you know, Mm -hmm. I mean, because to not have empathy is like, from that standpoint is really just like, you're not really seeing the full world, right? You're so lost in your own bubble and up your own ass and like blinded by your money that like, you don't, you don't open yourself up to, to anyone else, you know? And, and, and so I thought it was really, really sweet that Fran did that and very genuinely too. It would, it didn't feel like she was like humoring him. She like just very kind of earnestly is like, here, here's my address mm-hmm. at come anytime, which, you know, very nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little dangerous. Yes. Yeah. As they point out a little later. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, then, uh, well, then we cut to that night and 
it's three hours into this dinner party and nobody has showed. And I literally wrote, that is so rude. <laughs> and, and Mr. Sheffield's even like, he's like, I've heard of fashionably late, but three hours, that's almost avant-garde. And he, and he like, <laughs> just does not understand why, like nobody would show up. And I was just like, these petty bees, like they, they're yeah. literally boycotting it because France the host, it's awful. Yeah, it's ridiculous. And Fran sits him down and cause, cause he's like, you know, what did I do? Did I do something to upset them? And he's, she's, she's like, you didn't do anything. Like it's because of me, like, you know, they were all laughing about me and I'm the reason they're not here. And I'm the reason you're losing all these potential new backers. And Cece's sort of watching from the sidelines and she's like eagerly waiting for, you know, him to sort of <laughs> realize that he's made a huge mistake in getting engaged to Fran and you know, all this stuff. But instead, he really, really shows his true colors. And he's like, oh, my goodness. He's like, you know, to hell with them. You know, you, you're mm-hmm. more important to me than any of them. You're more important to me than their money. And, you know, you poor thing that this happened to you. You know, and then I think Cece's eyes starts to twitch again. And then in a very sitcom, wrap it up very quickly way, the doorbell rings and they open the door and it is the man from the park. And at first, you know, Fran's like, oh, oh, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of him. You know, I said he could have some food and maybe give him a little money. And then Mr. Sheffield's like, what are you talking about? Like, this is like so-and-so, so-and-so. He's the wealthiest man in New York, like that kind of thing. And it's like, he's, you know, basically like a very wealthy potential investor. And this guy, and Fran's like, oh, oh my God. And the guy, the the man was like, Maxwell, like, you know, you've got quite a woman here. You know, she, she's, I sat next to her on a park bench and she thought I had nothing. She literally gave me the address to your home. (laughs) And and Mr. (laughs) Sheffield like, is like, okay, never do that again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, which is also fair. And and that's sort of you know, that's the resolution. He's basically like, you know, yeah. Maxwell, you clearly have excellent taste. So whatever you need from me, like I'm gonna write you a check. And and it all yeah. gets resolved that way. And it turns out that Fran's generosity, the, which he, the old rich guy pretending to be a bum. <laughs> I mean, or let's be fair, a lot of very rich guys like a Bill Gates, like they could pass for a, a bum, yeah, like totally. you know. But so, so it's, it's also, you know, the whole like Fran's act of generosity and kindness, which she never thought anyone would see. And she never, she didn't do for any ulterior motives is what mm-hmm. ends up, you know, saving the day. And, yes, and Fran staying true to herself ultimately saves the day. Yeah. But I, I did right here where I was like, you know, this is where my, my thought was, I kind of, was hoping that maybe they would have this dinner party and Fran would come to this conclusion of like, to hell with them. I'm I'm going to dare to be different and unique because that's who I am. And if they and you know maybe even like maybe even saying something kind of sassy to one of these women. Like I, there's a part of me that wanted to sort of see that, but yeah. but I also think this is very sweet too. Well, six one half dozen of the other, right? It's kind of the same ending because both endings would have been Fran staying true to herself. They just didn't do it in a I'll show you by being myself and winning you over. They did it in a she's intrinsically a good person and therefore good things happen to her. Which mm-hmm. is a really nice message, honestly. But I think even maybe a little kinder message than like rubbing it in their faces in some yeah. way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very oh, true. And then we get a really funny button on the episode which I don't know if we called out the runner of this. So earlier in the episode, Maxwell and Sylvia are in the same room and Maxwell says, uh, you know, Oh, good morning, Fran. And then he looks at Sylvia and he's like, good morning, 
Ma. And he's like, nah, I don't know if I'm going to call you Ma. And she's like, oh, you're right. It's probably too soon. I should just come over more and spend more time here. And he goes, Mom, I love you. And he like throws his arms around her so she won't spend more time. So then yes. the button, <laughs> the button, <laughs> the button is Sylvia and the kids are in the living room. And the kids say, I think they call her Sylvia. And she's like, no, call me grandma. She's like, or should I spend more time here? And then all of the kids go like, granny. And yes, yes. Grandma. And then Gracie goes, Bubby, because Gracie yeah. has the, like absorbed the most Jewishness, which is a great, also a great through line. Uh, yes. I love that. I thought the button was really clever. Yes, yes. In fact, we didn't even say this, but when Gracie first sees Fran's new ring, she says an extremely Jewish thing. She's like, yes. Taka, that's a gazunt ring, yeah, <laughs> which yeah. we'll get into. So should yeah. that lead us into uh, segments? Segments. And now, segments. So, segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, segments. Segments uh, with Sean and Toria. I like to... I like to shuffle papers while that's playing. So I feel like I'm like on a sit on like a um talk a show set. and like the band yeah. the band is playing us back in. <laughs> I think we've we've talked about that. How like every now and then I really do have something administrative to do while it's playing and I feel very like like <laughs> well we're back. Now on to a dog that thinks it's a cat. <laughs> exactly. Our first guest tonight, you might know from uh <laughs> We'd be great at All that. Right, so, we'd, we'd be great at that. Someone should just yeah, listen. If anyone is listening that wants to give us a talk show, we will co-host it. Hey, have they ever done that? I don't think they've ever done that. Done what? Had a late night talk show that had two hosts. Yeah, not but like all- a host and a sidekick. But like two hosts sitting behind the same desk. It would be very funny. But you know what though? Well, no, that they had they did like Regis and Kelly and stuff. Regis and Kathy Lee. I don't I don't recognize any Regis uh, partnerships. <laughs> but also the problem is we have radio faces, so <laughs> Oh <laughs> speak for your No, you're right. <laughs> All right, so favorite lines and moments and moments. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's see. She's turning into a shiksa right before my eyes. Love mm-hmm. it. Oh, Fran saying <laughs> Saying the kids are Jewish now because the mother is Jewish, meaning her, (laughs) which I thought was so such a great bit of like backwards logic. She's like, well, I'm Jewish and now I'm these kids' stepmother. So that makes the kids Jewish. Yeah. I liked when they were at Uncle Sammy's jewelry store. Um, They're looking at this ring and Mr. Chubby goes, (laughs) he goes, is that a crack? And then Uncle Sammy goes, if you have to ask, how big could it be? <laughs> and then in that same scene, Mr. Sheffield holds up this piece of jewelry and he goes, this is the gaudiest thing I've ever seen. And Frank goes, shh, if you like it, 86 it and I'll work him down. Because in her <laughs> mind, the only reason you would outwardly critique something in a store like this is because you actually love it and are angling yes. to get it cheaper. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, there was this line that we, we didn't mention where when nobody shows up to the dinner party, Niles, he's, he's holding this tray and he goes, oh, well, what am I going to do? I have shrimp for 45 people. And then Fran's like, mm, that's all right. I'll invite Ma over for brunch tomorrow. And he goes, great. Now I have to go and get more. 
<laughs> Not so. Another thing we kind of glazed over a little bit was so. At first, Cece's on the couch and Gracie's like counseling her, right? Gracie's like, yeah, you got to move on with your life, da, da, da. But then when we come back to the scene, Cece's in the same spot, but Gracie has left and Niles is sitting next to her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, oh, and she's like weeping and and he's, you know, and and he's like letting her go. But then she goes, and the worst part is Maxwell told me they were going to fire Niles. And then she like kind of smirks and she's like, I knew you were sitting behind me the whole time. Yes, <laughs> Which I really yes. liked. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I think maybe that's it for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mentioned covered all, a, lot. a lot of my others. Yeah. Earlier. So Yiddish, Yiddish. Yiddish. We got Shiksa. Mm-hmm. We got Shiksa, Taka, which means indeed. So like now, like Taka, this is a Gazunta ring, meaning like indeed that and Gazunt means healthy. So like when Gracie says that, like a old Jewish woman, she's like, indeed, that is a healthy ring. Yeah. <laughs> so cute. So cute. So cute. Okay. And then are you ready for the Snanny trivia? Yeah, because I might have some nanny trivia for you too, but let me, I want to see what you're what you got. Okay, so I was just curious. I was like, how much would that ring from Cartier be? Right, because that was a huge ring. Okay, in the nineties or or with inflation. I just checked out what a Cartier expensive ring is now, and I think that will just okay. give. That's all we need. Okay, so because they don't okay. say a price then, so it doesn't really matter. But I went on the website. Like one of the most ex- the most expensive rings at Cartier, which I believe are you know is the kind that Fran would have had, hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. Hundred and fifty five thousand dollars. So I would say. I would say that the average was in the like thirty five k range. Yeah. But if you're gonna go big at Cartier, you are spending like hundred and fifty five thousand dollars and whatever that would have been insane. in nineties money it would have been like the equivalent so so that so wow. my god just to give us wow the ring I bought for Elizabeth's a real piece of shit in comparison. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have $150,000. Can you imagine wearing something no. like that on your body? It feels dangerous and <laughs> so- I feel like I would be anxious at all times. So And no. also dude, I I lose you know, if I I don't even like to spend forty dollars on sunglasses because I'm gonna yeah. leave them somewhere. Like, oh my god! I got insurance for the for the engagement ring. Yeah, I mean, people of course they I was get nervous, insurance. You know, yeah. which you should. Yeah. Okay, so I have a little trivia. First of all, correction corner, correction corner. Welcome to correction corner. The high society woman in this episode was not Diane Wilk. Dorothy Lyman. Oh my Dorothy God, Dorothy Lyman. Lyman. No, yes. you're right. You're right. As soon I don't know why I said Diana Wilk. I meant Dorothy Lyman. Because you hate Dorothy Lyman. That's clearly. No, and I love her. I also wanted to point out: not only is Mort Drescher in this episode playing Uncle Stanley, but did you know that one of the two maids in the kitchen was Adeline Drescher? Her who is that? Her sister? I don't Adeline? know. So I tried to find out what the relationship is, and like. The internet's real, like they just keep going like she's an actor in things and she was in seven shows that Fran Drescher did. So it's like, clearly she's got to be, right? This is not like a accidental Drescher that they found. Mm. So I'm not sure if she's a sister or a cousin or what, I don't know, but, or an aunt, an aunt maybe, I don't know. 
but Adeline uh, Drescher played maid number one. So I'm I'm assuming that's got to be another family cameo. Maybe uh, uh maybe someone from the show can weigh in. Hmm? Yeah, because because her sit her real life sister is Nadine. So I don't think it's the mm. same person. So interesting, crazy. interesting, interesting. Oh, oh right, no, it says, Ad- look, look, here it says Adeline Drescher, niece of Mort Drescher and Sylvia Drescher. So it's a cousin. How did you find that? I suck at Google. <laughs> I know, this I just Googled it. Then it was right All right. Well, my segment thunder. No, so I thought that was interesting. And then we have what? Who's the friend? Who's the CC? Who's the friend of the CC? I really related to the characters in this episode who were having to adjust to calling Sylvia Ma or Grandma because I I grew up with step families and that I had forgotten about that. I'd kind of forgotten that that is a part of it where people are like, well, what what do you want to be called now? And and people are, it's kind of awkward because no one really quite knows how to handle it, you know? So I, I was- it's funny that you said that because that was literally mine <gasps> because similarly, not just when you're a child in a you know step family situation, but when you start to get in-laws, as I am now getting, that question also comes up of like, yeah. well, what, what do I call, call you? Mm-hmm. And like, it's it, uh, my mom, like, <laughs> you know- the moment we got engaged was like, please call me mom, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and Elizabeth got bless her soul, you know, embraced it immediately. But, but yeah, that's a thing, right? Is like, what do you, what do you, do I start calling a lady mom? Like it's, it's weird it's, a little bit, right? Yeah. I, so yeah. I, I also definitely felt like, oh yeah, I can relate to this for yes. sure. Funny that we we often don't. I feel like hone in on the same more like minute part of these episodes. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but and, and then of- and then sometimes just to be a jerk, I'll I'll call Elizabeth's dad Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> go, Thank you, Daddy, and he, and no. he goes, "Stop it." <laughs> um. So yeah, that's that is that is maybe the first time in Oh Mr. Sheffield podcast history that you and I have had like kind of the same character for the yes. same reason mm-hmm. wow yeah wow so now wow. we drink no. <laughs> all right oh we were supposed to wait <laughs> yeah. well we this has become a very long record but yes. good episode got- listen when the episodes are great sometimes they we go long and when they're really really bad sometimes we go long yeah there's no rhyme or reason there's no rules hey there's no rules in this house <laughs> hell no <laughs> You want to do wrap up? Yeah, we're done. Yeah, do wrap up. So, uh, you know, oh, Mr. Chef Pod on Instagram. That's where we're, we are a lot. We almost have 500 followers now, which is so awesome. Please rate and review us on Apple. We're still a little baby podcast, even though we've been doing this for a long time. We, we you know, and we have such a great community. We, we love this community. They, they fuel us. But yeah, if you haven't yet, uh, do rate and review and let's spread the good news. Yep. And uh, if you want to, you don't have to, but if you want to, it would make us very happy if you sent us an email at Podcast at gmail.com. But you don't have to. Tori and I will be okay not feeling any love in the in the email. I'm doing Jewish guilt. Uh-huh, I feel like uh-huh. it's it's on theme yeah, for the show. Yeah. But yeah, no, truly, truly 
enjoy this community immensely. I spent like 20 minutes this morning responding to almost every single Instagram comment that we got over the last like five or six posts. Uh, so that's always fun when I can play catch up and mm -hmm, um, and Twitter. Hey, listen, our Twitter community is growing. It's also Oh Mr. Chef Pod on Twitter. We're finally starting to get some traction in the world's worst place. So, <laughs> yay, I guess. <laughs> uh, and on that note, uh, ladies and gentlemen, goodbye. Goodbye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing, the nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Vine. <laughs> <laughs>